Hello, I'm Buddy Martin. Welcome to the Urban Meyer Podcast on the Best Fridays in Football on the Evergreen Podcast Network. Time now to say Merry Christmas to Coach Meyer. Coach Meyer, Merry Christmas. Hey, Buddy. Good to hear from you. Merry Christmas. Yeah, it's been quite a quite a couple of weeks, uh, at the least of which is all the uh, information coming down about the the playoffs and as they say the old cliche in sports writing and and then there were four number one alabama number four Notre Dame meet in the rose bowl game uh on january 1 at 4 p.m followed by number two clemson number three ohio state in the all-state sugar bowl so we got here what have we got and what do you think yeah i think the committee was given a daunting task of putting four teams together that there was really no equity in college football this year. And, and I saw a lot of comments and conversation about A&M should have been in there and you can't disagree, but you know, if, if the thing that, and I've, I've changed my opinion on this, which after talking to Ryan day, Dan Mullen, several other really close friends of mine that are in the coaching profession that I really believe. And I'm, and I'm a old school proponent of the bowl system. I think they got to change it. They got to uh, expand the playoff teams and that's a minimum of eight. And, but I got a little different take on it than just the fact that you get more teams opportunity. Uh, the players are the players as we move forward here, the, the top of the top and the elite players I experienced at the beginning of it. When a player first came to me and said, <clears throat> I'm not going to play in the cotton bowl. That was the first time I sat back and why. And then it, it kind of made, I didn't say I necessarily agree with everything, but it, I can't, you know, I understand. And you're talking about people that have careers in sports and they don't want to get hurt. I get it. So the Rose Bowl means the world to me. The Sugar Bowl means the world to Gator Nation. And it certainly doesn't mean it that much to the players like it used to. It's college football playoff and NFL. And that's really the, the number one and number two uh things that are appealing to players nowadays. I heard you say that, and I was so glad to hear you say it because I have been a strong proponent of expanding the playoffs for years for different reasons. But now, as you point out, you have a different situation. The opting out basically has reduced some of these bowl games to all the importance of a scrimmage. And TV, your network included, are not going to play these gazillion dollars for these games where the top stars are all missing. And Urban, I think what you're saying is, is what I've been saying lately is that do you, can you imagine having a bowl game where your stars opt out or worse yet having playoffs? And I don't think that will happen. Once you get the playoff teams, that could be eight, 10, 12, whatever you, those kids are going to stay and play and they should. So it's a different situation. You pointed out what's important to players. You mentioned among them is getting drafted, obviously, and and of course playing for a championship. So do you think that might patch that up and fix things in the future? I think the only chance you have is expand the bowl games or expand the playoffs. If you expand the playoffs, you'll see more players uh, opt in instead of opt out. And the same thing, it gives you those more opportunities for teams like you know, we were on the back edge of that a couple of times. We would have been in with an expanded playoff. So the answer is yes. I think that'll really, it won't solve all issues, but uh, the game of football as we know it uh, is going to change drastically college football in the next couple of years. And this is part of it. The opting out 
transfer portal, rich get richer, and the name and likeness. Yeah. Well, it's been a tough year, but it, hopefully it turns out right. Well, Gators acquitted themselves pretty well uh, with the comeback after a very difficult first half. Uh, Kyle Trask left it all out there on the field. Uh, Devontae Smith, Mac Jones, Najee Harris, just a tad better than Trask, Kyle Pitts, and Kadarius Toney. Maybe the defense has something to do with that. But it was a superb performance and a superb showing, tough loss. What did you think of the way that Florida played and what did you think of the performance of the three triumphant stars for Alabama? Well, in Fox Big New Cookout, they said, is Florida a threat? I said, legitimate threat to beat them. Uh, they, but they have to make four to five stops. And I actually talked with Coach Mullen after the game. They had several stops, but, um, you know, there was one interception, then they turned it back over to them. There were two 15-year penalties, that kept, I believe, that kept drives alive. I can't remember exactly, but you didn't get your four or five stops. You knew they'd score points, you know, Dan Mullen and that Trask and Pitts and uh, the, the talent they have on offense, you know, they're going to score some points. Uh, but they didn't make enough stops, obviously. There's Tony really coming to his own uh, lately, and he was named the coach's uh, all-purpose player. Um, and, oh, and, and and he's done a remarkable job, finally clicked in the last four games. Well, let's talk about the Buckeyes. Uh, I My friends in Ohio tell me that this whole thing with Clemson has gotten to be a huge point of order. Uh, and, of course, Dabo had a couple of things to say and do that has fanned the flames the way he ranked him out of the top 10. I know you heard it. Uh, what are you hearing about that game? Uh, it looks like, well, it's the matchup of all matchups for the Buckeyes. Yeah, I'd use the term irate. You know, I'm not sure why Dabo Sweeney, you know, uh, obviously he's got the right to say whatever he has, but I've always taken it, you know, done the bat. You know, at times I've made mistakes, but just focusing on your team. And then to put the Buckeyes at number 11, you know, I, they're, you know, that I, I'm not there. Of course, they're not the 11th best team in America. I don't know. You know, I, I'm not quite sure. There's got to be some reason for that. And, the, you know, I don't want to speculate, but, you know, they aren't to think, you know, as, as, cause I did that voting for a long time too. And you're sitting there voting and you vote a bunch of, you know, several two lost teams in front of them. Uh, some other teams in front of them that, uh, you know, should not be. So I'm not, I'm not even sure why he did that. We talk about the committee sometimes. Uh, I'm not so sure coaches should vote in those polls. That's because you know how they manipulate them, and you can get yourself in trouble sometimes by leaving somebody off, and they find out. Anyway, I'm sure it's fan of the flames. Uh, this Buckeye team, it's got a few things to work out, a few kinks, but they seem to be getting rolling now. What do you expect out of this, this team? And there won't be any opt-outs I know of for Ohio State. No, I think they're getting some guys back now. And my understanding is that uh, the COVID players that they missed uh, will be back. The problem is they're just getting them enough practice time because uh, there are certain teams that beat you with technique and, and you know, they're not real complicated scheme-wise. And then Clemson does both. Very good technique, but their scheme is very difficult. And you have to practice against it. And that's the, I know that that coming out of the Ohio state camp right now is the biggest concern. So uh, they should be full strength. Ohio state, their quarterback, Justin Fields, you know, didn't play necessarily well against Northwestern. 
Uh, offensively, they ran the ball well, but not in the pass game. And defensively, the secondary, you know, you really study Ohio State's sec- uh, schedule, and it was bad. I mean, there's nothing else you can say about how bad that schedule was. And they have not, there's not been, you know, Indiana had a very good team. Penn State had some good skill. But other than that, they have not been pushed or threatened at all with the skill that they're going to see against Clemson. And that's one thing that Nick Saban said after the Florida game. He said, we probably needed a dogfight and Florida gave us one. And uh, so that makes your tournament tough. And I think that's a good point. Um, Urban, we'll have a question on this in a minute on Ask Urban uh, about this. I don't. I know you don't know all the details, but the news down here about Dan Mullins' uh, brush with the NCAA on the and, and being put on probation, show cause uh, for recruiting violations. Now, before we get into that, I understand these recruiting violations. Uh, how you can easily screw up. It, it's not hard. You can be, see a kid, talk to a kid you know, not consciously doing anything. And everybody's been in that, that that situation. You've been in it. Steve Spurrier's been in it. It's not like you're overtly cheating, but you break some rule and you do something. And now they've got a show cause for Dan Mullen. Have you read about that? And what do you know about it? And how do you explain it? Yeah, I've not talked to Coach Mullen about it, but it became a national headline. And I wonder, when I read what he did, it said he met with a player when he wasn't supposed to. That's called a bump. And it was 15 minutes, so yes, he did. But that's then you you know to say that hasn't happened before. There must be something behind number door number two or something that we're not being told because that why that uses the term show cause and you know I'm not I haven't followed it that closely like I have in the past. But I don't remember you know I see LSU had issues and these other teams have issues and you don't hear terms like show cause. That's pretty damning, I think. So, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And then something about meeting non-scholastic football players on teams or something. What does that mean? Non-scholastics. So scholastic means high schools. So they were professional players or, you know, I, I don't, I, I, I've tried to read more. I have not called. And even if I did, I probably wouldn't be allowed to give you more detail. I just, I think there needs to be more detail because it looks on the surface, it doesn't look that big a deal, but they made it a national story. That's precisely my uh, thought on it and the thoughts of people I've talked to. Now, there's no question. Now, they did cooperate, and they, uh, you know, and this has happened, and most of this is time served. I mean, there's only a few things left, like in recruiting, you can't you ha- you can't go off campus for X number of days, et cetera, but they don't get the show cause. The show cause are things that you hear about Bruce Pearl and other coaches who've gotten themselves in, in hot water. I mean, everybody pushed the envelope on recruiting. I don't think of Dan Mullen as a cheater, you know? So I don't know. Absolutely just, not. Yeah. Absolutely not. First of all, no way. He's yeah. not a cheater. Yeah. So it just kind of – and you look at LSU, you think, my goodness, look at what they're doing, handing out money, doing all kinds of things. And, and someone said it's like comparing a trial of a, of a guy who was caught speeding to a guy who committed capital murder. I mean, there's just so it's a stark kind. I don't know. I'm confused. The NCAA confuses me rather easily. But anyway, I, I know it's difficult to understand. We're not lawyers, but it doesn't seem to be a big deal. And and they did apologize. And the president came out, and the athletic director came out, and they all you know they said we didn't have compliance. That's a big word, compliance. That can mean a lot of things. Yeah, I don't so, know why they would do. You know, I, I 
once again, there, there might have been some agreement behind the scenes with the NCAA that, uh, it, it, to be honest, buddy, it made no sense to me. Yeah, it was kind of strange. I couldn't understand it either. So I'm glad I wasn't the only one. So, well, all right, so we got the coaching carousel. Here we go. Things are starting to happen. Uh, I read one today, maybe you haven't heard about, Terry Bowden going to Louisiana. Um, Brian Hartson, a guy I'm not familiar with, except I know he's done a good job at Boise State, goes to Auburn. Uh, anything there resonate with you? Do you know any, any of those people? I know you know Terry Bowden. Yeah, Terry Bowden, that's an interesting hire. I believe he was at Akron for a while. He was. So I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah, that's interesting to me. And I'm amazed that Terry would want to go do that. that but that's Terry's business. Uh, he's been very good to me over the years. And the Bowden family, I have so much respect for him. Mm-hmm. The other one, Brian Harzen, I know him fairly well. Uh, we know his wife. Wonderful people. Really, really good football coach. Uh, to me, you know, is going to be uh, the, the fit. You know, they hired some guy. Florida hired some guy from Utah years ago, and it worked out pretty good. <laughs> so I don't know. Boise's yeah. somewhere out that way. Uh, and I've been to Boise. It's a really cool place that, you know, they've had great success. So, you know, I, I think if you're answer, asking the question, if he's a really good coach, yes. Well, how fast can he get caught up with the mm-hmm. speed and intensity of the SEC recruiting? That's the one that knocked me off my chair mm-hmm. when I first got going. Is like, it's every you better recruit every day. Yeah, and I lived in Colorado. We used to say, yeah, we're one of those square states out west. You know, people don't know much about no. that part of the country. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I was a little bit surprised about uh, Gus Malzahn. We've been hearing about it for a long time. Were you kind of surprised that they, they that they pulled the plug on uh, on Malzahn? Not really. I, I you know, I, I once again think he's an excellent coach and had uh, really good results. You know, it's just the reality that down the street there, there's – you know, I know how Auburn fans are. I've played in that stadium a couple of times. And, you know, I made the comment on Fox News that, uh, you know, the sense of reality is gone. Fan bases are gone. But that's what makes us so awesome. I mean, that's Florida fans and Buckeye fans are out of their minds. They're, they're nuts. But isn't that what makes this world so, I mean, what makes Ohio State and Auburn and Florida so special is that. You don't have to worry about selling tickets at home games. You don't have to worry about intensity of the you know the home field advantage but with that comes incredible pressures and especially when these coaching contracts have got so so you know worth so much so i'm not surprised um but i do believe they got rid of a very good coach Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotas, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, Yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? (laughs) The Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. 
You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Well, maybe they'll come back around. You never know. Uh, and this is the coaching carousel season. I, I, I'm kind of um, – I, I, I get a little sad this time of year because I know coaches, and I call it cruelty at Christmas time. You know, so many families have to be moved, uprooted and moved in the holidays. And people forget about that there are other people involved, families and whatever, for those children. I know coaches' wives – realize that it's still hard. Uh, and so I've had friends who've been fired at this time and some good coaches have been fired, but it's a very hard time for a lot of families. And I know fans don't think about that so much as they do about give me somebody to win games here. Like you say, uh, the bad news is that the, the fans are crazy in the SEC and the good news is that fans are crazy in the SEC. That's just kind of how it is out here. Uh, it's reality. It's reality. Exactly right. Let's talk about the school up north. Don Brown. Don Brown uh, is, is, has been fired by um, Michigan. Uh, longtime defensive coach. A guy that uh, was respected, but uh, their defense was in trouble. And there was time to make a change. Apparently, from all we know, according to reports out there, Harbaugh was uh, supposed to be back in 2021. Uh, so changes were made, according to the story written by Bruce Feldman. Uh, said uh, he'd been fired following his fifth season. Uh, move not unexpected. Anything? Any thoughts about that? Defensive coordinators are hard to find. Oh yeah, and he was. Uh, I coached against him several times. Really does a nice job on defense. And I'll never forget the 2016 team. They were number one in American defense. That's the best defense I've ever coached against in my career. And really good players, really good scheme. But you know, I I, I think. I, we see what everyone else sees that that boat has holes in it right now. And, and you got to, you know, as I told you, don't, don't start blaming players. And in my mind, don't start blaming coaches. You got to fix what's going on. And in Jim Harbaugh's opinion, he had to fix. It certainly wasn't because of knowledge as a defense coordinator. He has all that or the quality coach. He must've saw something else under the hood that he had to make that change. So uh, it was expected up, up in these parts. Urban, uh, I've talked to you enough to know that you believe in making improvements that are necessary to make them. Sometimes that's a coach. Sometimes that's a player. You owe it to your team and your school and the parents, for that matter, to make the team as good as possible. When you have an opportunity to bring in a coach, where is the line drawn between loyalty to that coach and someone that you're fairly certain is going to give you or do a better job for you, whether it's a defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator. How tough is it to, to, to walk that line? And do you remember a situation? I know you had a couple, we all, and, and many coaches have. You make changes. That's tough. Yeah, I've always erred on the side, and I've been criticized for being too loyal, uh, being too loyal to players, you know, where the media tells you to get rid of players and, you know, I think you know me well enough that there's not one time I was ever uh, told to do anything by an AD. I was never influenced by the media. But have I made some mistakes and been too loyal? That's all, you know, speculation, people's opinion. Uh, I look back now on reflection on my career. I've only fired one guy. And people, when I say that, they're like, you've got to be kidding me. You're a head coach for 17 years. And you fired one coach. You know, there's some people who have been through like up at, you know, uh, 
Texas changed seven coaches and uh, the Wolverines changed a bunch of coaches over the years. You know, I, I just, I have always believed that working it, maybe I've made it so difficult that they'd leave on their own, but I just, you know, that's really was hard for me to do. And loyalty to me is a virtue to me. That's something that uh, I, I'm not sure how much that's valued anymore. Uh, I see some things happen. I can't believe that that happens. Uh, I was part of it where I felt uh, betrayal and the loyalty piece, you know, you just, you, it's tough. So, yeah, I, I, I think you, this is a much different era than the old loyalty of the, of the old days. And people sometimes do things that uh, maybe there's a lot of pressure from the outside. Quick story, Luke Fickle, one of the top coaches in America, Cincinnati, I was getting a lot of pressure internally and also externally to fire Luke Fickle after the 2013 season. He was interim coach at Ohio State, went six and seven. He, 2012, we played good defense. 2013, played very bad defense. And I was within minutes of making that call to let him go. And I pulled over to pray. And this is in our book is that I just said, you know, wait, wait a minute now. Why would, if you fire me, you better get someone better. This guy's a Buckeye. He's a great coach, great family. It's my job as a leader to help him fix his issues. And that's what we did. And, and he went from, you know, his unit, which is a linebacker coach, went from really struggling to the best unit on the team in 2014. That's a great story. Uh, and, boy, I tell you, defensive coordinators, it's open season on those guys. I see Bo Pelini's the next guy out. Orgeron's going to have to make some changes down there. You know, Muschamp was a former defensive coordinator. He might serve at some place. you got things changing all over for defense. And even at Florida. Dan Mullen's been under a lot of pressure, although he didn't talk about it, that, uh, you know, that he needs to make a change to the offensive coordinator. And, and Todd Grantham is really, really under fire with the fans. Uh, now, uh, I happen to think he's a good defensive coordinator. You told me the same thing. Coach Spurrier told me the same thing. People I've talked to in football think he's a very good defensive coordinator. He's just a little different. But uh, the question becomes now, you're in that job, you know you have a team that could possibly compete for a playoff spot. You have some problems that should be fixable. Uh, you know, on uh, obviously simple things like getting off the field on third down. I mean, literally getting off the field, not getting caught. You know, making mistakes, giving up a lot of third down yards. People go crazy. Now, you're Dan Mullen or you're Urban Meyer. You're there, and you say, "Okay, here's Kevin." I'm just making this hypothetical up. I know hypotheticals are tough, but Kevin Steele is not going to get the job. Uh, down at Auburn. He's a really, really good defensive coordinator. Do you make a play for Kevin Steele? Do you talk to an agent who talks to an agent? Do you make that change thinking, well, we could upgrade a lot? Or do you say, I like my guy. We've been to the war together. We battle. He's been, he's a good coordinator. I believe him. It's a tough call. Irvin. how do you resolve that? Yeah, to say Todd Grantham's a good defense coordinator, of course he is. To say Kevin Steele's better than Todd Grantham I mean that's you know to hear you talk right there you know we have to do a better job it's not that complicated get off on third downs I mean buddy that's one of the most complicated things you can ever, ever imagine especially in a COVID year so yeah I, I to me this is a, I've sat through this I would not make a change I'm not a big change guy I unless you can certainly upgrade and that's only one guy's decision it's certainly not people doing a podcast it's certainly not the people writing the stories, but that's their job to write story, but they have no idea what they're talking about other than, you know, their data analysis people. 
So perception is one thing, and Dan's going to have to sit down and think, can he improve it? Maybe there's some, I don't know, is there some friction in the, in the staff? I don't believe there is. But Todd Grantham, now, for someone to say he's not a good D coordinator, I'm telling you, they have no idea what they're talking about. We had a bad year, or Florida had a bad year. This is not, you know, a re- it hasn't been a bad run. He's had very good defenses. This has been a bad year. If Dan Mellon thinks it can get fixed, I wouldn't make a change. If he doesn't, he makes a change. But that's between Dan Mullen and Dan Mullen. Yeah, and I agree with you, by the way. I happen to like him. I like his defense. Uh, but it sure is a controversial subject around here, and uh, we'll see. Is uh, All right, Coach, uh, we got a, a lot of questions for Ask Urban this week. We'll address a couple of things that, uh, that we talked about previously, but – We've got a several uh, letter, personal letters, etc. Here's one. Are you ready to go with Ask Urban? Sure. I, I need a. I need like to have a music or a bugle or a trumpet. I got to get do our producers got to do a better job of giving us a little better lead into that. And now here's Ask Urban. Okay, uh, it, Oberlin is that a play? Is that a town in Ohio or is that a college? I'm not sure which one. This is from Randy in Oberlin. It says Randy from Oberlin. Ohio State is obviously playoff worthy from the dreaded look test. I guess he means by after looking at him. But the Buckeyes' body work was too small to measure. Shouldn't there be a national standard? Uh, and what do you think of Dabo's ranking of Ohio State? Well, you already commented on that. All right. So do you think uh, people say they didn't play enough games? Should, that, should they be penalized? And should there be a national standard for that? Yeah, I think they should put a, uh, a COVID section in the rule book from now on. I mean, it, you know, no one ever, this is the whole entire year was built on uh, asterisks and delays, adjustments, adaptability. You know, remember for months we weren't, the Big Ten was not playing. So, yeah, I, I do I think that uh, it was unfair that Ohio State played only six games? Sure. Do I think it's unfair that some team played just terrible schedules? Sure. But that was out of everyone's hands. This this year is an enigma. It will go away. It will hopefully will never happen again. And do they want to have some precedent in a rule book that says you have to play within two games of the other? You know, I, I don't know. You know, those are all. You know, just to have any foresight that something like this would ever happen? No, of course not. So, yeah, this is the year they got the best four best teams, in my opinion. Was it fair? No. What can you do about it? I don't know. Yeah. All right, this is from Neil in Miami. You kind of addressed this already. I read about Florida being put on probation by the NCAA for recruiting violations. It sounded like minor stuff. What does show cause mean? Uh, you'd have to ask that. I, I, I'm as confused. It did not sound like it was a serious violation. Whenever you hear level two, I see people get level ones. I saw it. I thought that's what LSU, and I don't want to you know, say it didn't happen, but I thought they were paying, you know, something about money being exchanged, you know, and yet Dan has a headline. It's a level two, mm. uh, which to me is an extended, you know, that was, yeah, that was wrong, but you know, there's no benefit involved. So I, yeah, I think, if, I, but once again, I don't know the whole story, buddy. I hate to speculate because I don't know the whole thing. It seemed like it was way overblown. Yeah. I read up on, try to study that term, uh, show costs and best I can tell it means every, six months or whatever the time period is, the university has to sit down and say, now you to get this thing called compliance. I guess that's part of it. And then I guess it means you carry those penalties with you as a coach, right? I mean, those are some of the things I found out. 
So we'll have to study up on that, Coach. I know you like to be educated before you talk about things. I need to get myself educated. We've also talked about this one, but let's just throw it out there. This is from Mike in Ocala. What changes in the playoff format do you see for 2021? I'm not sure it'll happen in 2021, but I think there's a big push out there to expand it. And uh, uh, I believe at some point they will. It just makes too much sense now that they expand it. Uh, players opting out. Uh, that has become the sole purpose of the elite teams to make the playoff. If you don't make the playoff, teams don't want to play. Here's a really easy one, although <laughs> I've never got one like this. This comes from a guy named uh, Nick Matovich. He didn't say where he was from, but he wrote us an email and said, I'm curious what, if any, music Urban listens to before games. We see, player, we see players with headphones fastened to their head, but we never hear what coaches listen to for the sake of amping up for games. I, don't, I know you don't. Uh, I, I'm not a big music guy. No. I'm not a big music guy before a game. Mm. Uh, you know, I have the players, I let them do what they want to do because they're the most important ones. I like to go lock myself somewhere to concentrate mm. and stare at game plans and stare at game management uh, situational opportunities. That's, that's what I did, but I never was a big music guy before a game. I can tell them what you did with your team because I was in your locker room and it got really loud. They like that rap music, don't they? That's most locker room. That's the way it is. So, yeah. uh, all right, here's the last one, Urban. Uh, college foot, this is from Rebecca in Reading, Pennsylvania. <coughs> college football needs a national CEO. How about you? If not, who would you recommend? National CEO. I'm not sure what you mean. I guess that means like a czar, someone to be in charge of the game of college football, a commissioner, I guess is what she means. You know, Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's actually uh, some, some uh, traction right now that there's going to be the big, the larger football playing schools might start their own deal down the road next few years. And I think at that point you would, as long as there's conferences, there will not because it's rich get richer and survival of the fittest. That's why you've seen teams jump conferences. That's why it's all about television revenue from conferences. And that's the whole, that, that drives the game right now. Commissioners have far too much power in my mind in the game of college football that's happened in the last decade. But it's all about, there's one thing, it's revenue from television. That's what it's all about these days, Coach. What you got on the show, on the big noon show this week? We're done. We're finished. We're, uh, I'm going to be working with the Big Ten Network going to the game, Ohio State game. But, unfortunately, big noon kickoff is uh, uh, will not come back until the fall. Good show. I really enjoyed it. I, I hope it it, it, it seemed I – mean, I know people I've talked to who said this is the show they watch now. Listen, so you guys did a good job. It was interesting. I'm sure it was fun. So, uh, plans for Christmas, staying in Columbus, anything going on with the family? Yeah, it's uh, the world's driven by four-year-olds and two-year-olds. So we got uh, uh, Shelly, and we had Santa Claus come last night. And then we have uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas dinner. All the family will be here. So thanks, buddy. Merry Christmas to you, Coach. If you'll just stay unplugged and muted there, we'll finish up the show. And thank you very much for being on the program today. All the best to your family. You bet. We want to thank some folks who made this possible. The Gatorbait Lighthouse Builders, Truth, Honor, and Dignity, Dr. Jim Duke, Sissy Long, Lauren Meadows, Jeffrey Meldon of Meldon Law, 
Max Steen, former Gator captain, Jeff Ulmer, the Ocala quarterback club, sponsor of the Scott Brantley Trophy, Mike McGinnis, captain, Joe and Dr. Joey Sorrentino, Renstar Medical Research, and Diane Palmer in memory of Whit Palmer, Jr. We hope you're enjoying the Best Fridays in Football podcast with Urban Meyer. If you do, please go to Evergreen Podcast Network or iTunes or Apple and share it with your friends. On behalf of Director Brendan Martin, Executive Producer Andy Billman, and Gator Bait Chief Correspondent Cassie Hill, who's off this next week, headed to Dallas for the Cotton Bowl, I'm Buddy Martin, wishing you a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. You've been listening to one of the best Fridays in football on the Evergreen Podcast Network. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) Right.